Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Bloomberg Westminster, on demand via the Bloomberg Business app and wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Sebastian Salik. And I'm Roger Hearing. Good afternoon. I barely know who I am today. Um, do any of us know who we are really after that debate last night? Because the assumptions were... Well, somewhat undermined. Jeremy Corbyn put in a better performance than anyone expected. Yeah, I think to a certain extent he surprised. The snap poll certainly said so, coming out at 49% versus Johnson's 51%. And so that's certainly potentially given him a bit of a boost. We're going to dig into this and really see how that affects uh, the campaign going ahead. Let's have a little listen to, uh, to or let's have a little chat about some of the things that we saw uh, following that. We heard from James Cleverly. He was really going in uh, after Jeremy Corbyn, really, over that refusal to answer questions is what he was saying he says that's really the crux of the issue yeah indeed what the point was i suppose i think the the, the major conservative supporting newspapers were saying nine times that Corbyn refused to say or failed to be able to say what exactly his position was on Brexit, which is clearly where it all goes. But anyway, let's bring in our, our guest for this half. Um, we've got uh, joining us on the line, Bloomberg UK government editor Tim Ross and senior executive editor David Merrick with us here in the studio. Uh, Tim, let me come to you first uh, on this. Just, just give me your impression of the debate. We've all had our views. What's your view? Who came out best, do you think? Well, for my money, I think that um, Jeremy Corbyn really surprised people by uh, holding his own. I mean, if you, you, you already mentioned, I think there was, a, there was a snap poll that was taken immediately after the debate concluded, and it basically declared it a tie. Now, if you've been paying attention before then, you'd presumably have imagined that Corbyn is so bad that he would have fallen over and had a really terrible time. But in fact, he held his own. And and that was a surprise. I think he came across as more spontaneous than Boris Johnson on some questions. Um, and Johnson didn't have a particularly stellar performance. So, David, uh, answer the question I, I put a second ago. Where does this take us in terms of the campaign more broadly? Yeah, well, I think it's clear that nothing has really kind of moved the needle on this. It's interesting, you know, the, the situation we're in, that we've got people saying, well, they didn't do as badly as we wondered. You know, you've got two candidates here who are not, individually particularly popular. I mean, Jeremy Corbyn, record low approval ratings, and Boris Johnson as well for a prime minister um, at this stage of his uh, tenure, also not popular in the country at large. So yes, no one uh, messed up spectacularly, but also they didn't really particularly shine either. And I think you're seeing that in the snap polls, sort of even split. And it's hard to see this really changing the dynamics of the race so far. Someone I saw was tweeting and saying, it's like being the last two people who get picked uh, for the football team. (laughs) The last two, you have to get them. You've got no choice. They are there. That's what you've got. Anyway, let's let's get a little bit of, uh, of reaction from members of their own support groups, as it were. First, let's hear the chair of the Conservative Party, James Cleverly. He said Corbyn's refusal to answer questions on the matter was the key problem. What Labour have got is some fairy tale deal that they claim they can negotiate quickly. The reason Jeremy Corbyn has evaded the question so comprehensively is because he doesn't have an answer. Leaders need answers to big questions. 
But then the man running Labour's election campaign, Andrew Gwynn, thinks the audience got fed up with the Prime Minister turning everything around to Brexit. For the vast majority of people sitting in the middle, Brexit is one of a number of issues. And actually, the main issue is about the future of this country, not just for the next six months, but for the next five years. Now, Tim, let me come to you on this. Does this move the dial in any way, do you think? We had it, we had an initial poll, but will it actually change anything leading up to December the 12th? Well, I think we'll have to wait and see for, for the headline polls on where the parties stand, which will be coming out in the next few days to see whether this has actually made an impact. There are more debates coming up, of course, including one on the 6th of December, which is another head-to-head, and that's much closer to polling day itself. That could be more influential. Um, but... It's worth bearing in mind that Corbyn has less to do than Johnson, really, in some ways, because Johnson needs to win a majority if he's going to stay in power. He's going to have very few options for coalition partners or anyone else to help prop up his government, whereas Corbyn could potentially call on a range of other parties to help keep him in if there's a hung parliament. And all he really needs to do is to shore up that support in those Labour voting constituencies that Johnson's targeting, and he might just squeak home. And David, one of the biggest cheers of the night didn't come from Corbyn or from Johnson or anything they said. It was one of the questions asking about trust and mm. just how much that undermines a lot of the candidates. Is there anybody who can win from that or is everybody really tarred? Well, that, that's really it, isn't it? And going back to what I said earlier, these are two people who the public don't particularly like. And there was a laugh in the audience, wasn't there, when Johnson referred to speaking the truth. So there's a huge amount of scepticism about what all these uh, candidates say. Um, and they are really just repeating the, the, the rote party lines, aren't they? We saw it talking to, you know, the script. Labour trying to steer the conversation off Brexit, Johnson banging the drum so obvious, on Brexit. It? it is just so obvious. And I think it's turning off a lot of the public as well. I mean, Tim pointed out, you know, we have another debate on the 6th. That is much closer to polling day. A lot of the public are probably still not actually paying that much attention to this campaign. It's still a few weeks to go. And there's some research shows that really the public only really tunes in about two weeks before polling day anyway. Yeah, that's, that's a very interesting point because, Tim... I mean, an awful lot of people are, perhaps, as, uh, as David says, not involved at this stage. But is it the individual issues that could get them over that line? The people who have demands of the health service are concerned about the so- health service. The people who have demands about social care care about that. People who are affected by crime, I guess, might have been turned on by Boris Johnson's assurances about more police on the streets. I think that's, that's all very fair. And you have to remember in elections that the real battle is not so much for the logical policy that will persuade people as for the the emotional story. And Johnson is betting that the public is primarily angry and frustrated that Brexit is still dragging on. Corbyn's calculation is that people are actually more worried about what the Tories might do to the NHS. And there's a concern there that it could be potentially sold off in large chunks to American companies in a trade deal with the USA. So they're both making rival pitches really for the for the emotional uh, emotional narrative in this election and that's really where it will where, where it will be decided I think when it comes to the vote. And Tim what about something as basic as personality? I'm a bit cynical. I feel like nobody really pays any attention. They just see these characters on the telly, make their mind up. We had the YouGov snap poll. Johnson won on uh, just having a look at it, likability and prime ministerial qualities. Corbyn won on trustworthiness and being in touch with ordinary people. Does any of this really matter? I think the Prime Minister rating does tend to matter, actually. If you look back at previous elections, 
that score has pretty well correlated with, with the outcome. In 2015, Cameron was ahead on that, and uh, that ended up being a better predictor of how Cameron did against Ed Miliband in that election than the headline poll results. Similarly, if you look at what happened in 2017, actually, Jeremy Corbyn really narrowed the gap with Theresa May on who would be the best prime minister until they were almost neck and neck um, over the course of that campaign. And we ended up with a hung parliament. So I would watch that score quite carefully. Some of the other things a bit less so. David, is there a sense of, of uh, self-illusion amongst we who follow all this uh, at the moment? And even some of us, well, actually, interestingly, uh, Seb and I took a little poll that was in, I think, The Guardian just before we came on air. Uh, it had a list of 16 faces, political faces, which that we could actually identify. Hmm. And even Seb, who is you know pretty close on this sort of stuff. You got 14, I think? 14. Turns out John Healy I got about 11. He was. It was, it was. There must be an awful lot of people out there who couldn't do any of them and wouldn't even get close and don't care. Hmm. And... In that sense, are we underestimating tribalism? In the end, they'll go for a Labour, they'll go for Labour, they'll go for Conservative, as they always have. And everything else, in a way, is just top-dressing. Well, I think that's that's possibly true for, for, for a lot of voters as well. And, and I think, you know, before this race really kicked off, remember, we were talking about this being a really different election, about being a four-horse race, in fact. And we were, the Lib Dems were having a surge, and a huge amount of the Tory votes and some of the Labour were going to the Brexit party. But what's been fascinating to see, actually, this tribalism coming back, and we're seeing the polls coalescing again around the two. Tory lead is 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 big, but also Labour has been increasing its share. The Lib Dems have been getting squeezed. The, the Brexit Party poll numbers have collapsed. So yes, people, when it comes to the crunch, having maybe they voted Brexit Party in the European elections, but for the general election, we're seeing that pattern return. We're going back to the two-party system that has dominated British politics for so long. But then we come back to that fact that it, all that matters is where these people are. If they're concentrated in areas, that changes things. If they're spread out, our party our system, our electoral system just doesn't support yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. And but that's why the polls, I think, have to be taken with a big pinch of salt because they don't reflect those complexities of the first-past-the-post mm. system and that there are some votes for the Conservatives that aren't really going to help Mr Johnson because they're just going to pile up in those places that he was going to win anyway, where actually he needs these breakthroughs in, in these seats in the North, in the, in the Midlands, in Wales, if he's going to get that majority. Yeah, Tim, I mean, I suppose that's one element of it perhaps we haven't really addressed, which is localism. There'll be places where uh, the people fight on personalities and issues that are almost entirely confined within the constituency. And some of the uh, former Conservatives, for example, who are serve, standing now as uh, as independents, like Dominic Grieve, for example, example, clearly has a loyal following based on his assistance on local issues. Uh, and that's going to count for something. It will count for something. In fact, it makes those particular constituencies really quite difficult to predict. And there are quite a few of them because so many Conservatives and Labour MPs have quit their parties during the course of this short two and a half year Parliament. But, um, you know, you could end up with potentially quite decisive results where those former MPs for the Tory party or for the Labour party are standing as, as, as either Liberal Democrats or Independents. And um, David, we get the Lib Dem manifesto today. Mm. It's going to be weird for a party that's gone so hard on stopping Brexit. All of a sudden, all of these other policies come out. Does it really matter what's in that? Well, it's important, isn't it? Because they have been banging the drum on this one issue. They've had the most extreme, if you like, anti-Brexit policy of revoking Article 50. And the truth is, it's not been really resulting in a big surge for them. You know, mm. they haven't been attracting all those Remain uh, voters who, who are torn 
former Conservative, former Labour voters. So yes, I think it is important. What is And people are asking the question, what else do you stand for? And of course, if Mr Johnson gets his majority and if uh, he gets his Brexit deal through, you know, what is there else for the Labour, for the Liberal Democrats to stand for? You know, they may be a significant force in Parliament. So we're going to have to learn uh, what are their plans for the economy? What are their plans for things like the NHS? So it's going to be quite interesting. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Let's have a look at what else is making the news in the world of politics. You've got well, The Guardian. Well, first of all, The Guardian actually with a reaction to the debate, which is quite interesting. Adia Chakraborty says, Corbyn needs to rouse his fighting spirit to win this election. I dimly remember some guff about a kinder, gentler politics. But an election is a war. Right now, Corbyn is three weeks from what might be his last ever contest, or the one that enables him to take out Johnson, block his disastrous hard Brexit, and finally reverse some of the destruction wreaked by the Tories. He and his team have a fighting chance, but to take it they need actually to fight and you've got to hand it to him he can really rouse a crowd he's trained as a campaigner that's his background and he can rouse people if he wants to so i suppose that's the sort of attitude uh, that adita chakabor turned to interesting to get the viewership through from the debate last night 6.7 million is an average a peak of 7.3 is about half of what the record of uh, i'm a celebrity got so yes. it's still quite it's a not few quite people. coronation street but it's a but few. it's a lot of voters it's a significant chunk uh, and on the debate we've got to talk about this fact check business the cchq uh, conservative headquarters press account renamed itself to fact check uk for last night's tv debate raising all these questions about misinformation twitter chimed in after this was uh, sort of referred to them it said the conservative party's misled the public and would take decisive corrective action if a similar stunt was contemplated again. Um, let's hear from the Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab. He insists it was the right way to challenge claims made by their opponents. It has CCHQ written explicitly on the handle, so I think it's very clear for anyone looking, it's an instant rebuttal mechanism to make sure that, frankly, constant lies spread around about the rotten old Tories can be rebutted in a factual way. And then we heard from the Electoral Commission as well, who said that we don't have a role in regulating election campaign content. They repeat all their calls to campaigners to undertake their vital role responsibly and to support campaigning transparency. And this strikes me as a little bit weak from both Twitter and the Electoral Commission, really. Um, I, I mean, Dominic Raab was saying that it's clear the handle is there. But when you're scrolling t- through Twitter, you're not reading handles, are you? And the images, the big tick, it all looked like several other accounts. You've got Fat Check from, from Channel 4 as a BBC equivalent. Slightly, slightly dodgy. Once once it's out there, in a way, people don't notice the correction. That's the classic situation. Let's bring you in another story in which Dominic Raab's been involved with, which is uh, the fact the UK is heading for a potential diplomatic clash with China. Former employee of the UK's Hong Kong consulate has been telling the BBC he was tortured in China and accused of inciting political unrest in the city. Dominic Raab said he was shocked and appalled by the mistreatment, and indeed he summoned the Chinese ambassador. And then a piece in the Yorkshire Post, uh, the title, This Must Be the Social Care General Election If the Elderly Are to Live with 
with dignity. This is Mike Padgham writing. He says, for far too long, political parties of all colours have made promises to fix social care, but then failed to do it. Much has been said about getting Brexit done. Well, this has to be social care's time too. So let's get social care done, he says. This, of course, was where the Tories fell down at the last election uh, with uh, what became dubbed the dementia tax, which was a real turning point for for the Tories and ultimately a part of, uh, of the problems that they faced, that loss of a majority. But I've got to take issue with all of these, this must be the X election. I feel like with Brexit looming so large, any attempt to change the narrative to something else explicitly is is going to well, fall short. Well, anyway, let's bring in our guest for this part of the programme, Matt Singh, founder of Number Cruncher Politics. Matt, good afternoon. Thank you for being with us. Good afternoon. Good to be here. Let me let me pick you up on, on, on the polling, because polling is obviously crucial in this. And that snap poll that came out immediately after the debate tended to suggest, I suppose, a, a more or less a, a draw in terms of who had won it in which of the which of the parties. But in terms of the parties more generally, the sense is the numbers haven't moved a great deal since the beginning of the campaign. Is that true? Yes, that is true. I mean, the the thing that determines elections in the UK uh, with the first past the post system is really the gap between Labour and the Conservatives in terms of vote share. Um, now, that gap has not really changed very much. It's perhaps widened a couple of points since just before the campaign, um, because what's happened is that both Labour and the Conservatives have gone up, and it's the smaller party, chiefly the Liberal Democrats and the Brexit Party, that have been squeezed, as we say. So really, the, the all-important gap between the two of them hasn't really changed very much. So in terms of the outcome that we might expect based on current polling, obviously, with the caveat that things might change um, as events take their course. But the, the, the sort of um, seat numbers that these numbers, uh, these polling numbers were suggest haven't really changed over the last couple of weeks. Still a few weeks to go. I was struck by the number of don't knows in, in certainly the YouGov poll that dropped yesterday, 17%. So presumably still quite a lot to play for. These are people that Labour could perhaps try and get on board to close that gap. Yes, there are. Um, I mean, it should be said that that number is by historical standards, not particularly high. Um, I mean, you do tend to get a lot of um, people not um, having made up their minds. And in a way, that's not really that surprising because most people generally don't pay that much attention to politics outside of campaigns. And, um, I mean, during the campaign time, you will start to get people paying more attention. But a lot of people really don't make up their minds until the last week. And and certainly that is something that could... um, increase volatility in the sense that i mean you sort of you, you, you they're not all going to break the same way but they might break more one way than the other uh, particularly in the context now of declining party loyalties we don't have the sort of class-based loyalties that we did uh 20 30 years or more ago um so yes that does um certainly increase potential volatility and there is indeed all to play for Matt, I suppose part of the interest in this is if people are going to people are talking about it as the Brexit election, which to a large extent it does seem to be. Will people initially think, well, what do I think on this issue? And that's the way I will vote on a specific issue, not necessarily even a manifesto, but a particular thing where they know what a particular party thinks. And that is what will determine their vote far more than anything else. Yes, I mean, quite often you hear elections described as the X election, where X is the, the issue that people think it is about, or in the case of the, the party's particular issue that they would want it uh, to be about. Obviously, it's not up to them. It's up to the 
the voters. Um, in terms of what people are saying is the most important issue that they're going to vote on, uh, and bear in mind there's a bit of nuance here in terms of how you ask the question. So uh, if you ask people what's the most important issue facing the country, it's Brexit by quite a wide margin, uh, followed by the NHS and a clear second. If you talk about, if you ask about it in terms of what's going to decide people's votes, it is generally still Brexit, but it's a lot closer. Um, but if you look back historically over um, all the elections for which we've got polling data, the, the things that tend to predict um, the uh, results of elections in, in, a, in a macro sense are perceptions of the leaders, which may perhaps influence what people think of the parties or uh, reflect what people think of the parties. It's kind of hard to unpick. And also the state of the economy, which is not something that's really been talked about in this campaign, but... Um, in, in the in, in the background, it will nevertheless be there. So, I mean, I think it, it, it's kind of it is the Brexit election so far. Although obviously, uh, quite a lot of it um, is going to depend on, on on which issues cut through. There's been a lot of talk from both sides about the NHS, and I think that probably reflects the polling that shows. And Matt, what about that. law and order? Is this something the Tories have gone quite hard on? Is that something that's that's resonating with voters? Uh, it's something the Tories have gone hard on. It is an area where they've they've always had a big um, advantage on. Um, it's not something that voters are particularly. So I, I, I don't have the exact figures to hand, but it's not um, in certainly not in the top three or four issues that voters are saying are, are important to them at the moment. And what about the characters of the the people involved, which I guess was what was on display at the debate last night? The sense that this person is prime ministerial, this is the person you'd want to have as a leader, whatever decisions they make. Does, is, is that a big factor in the way people vote? I mean, perceptions of the leader in general, leaders of the, the, the main parties are uh, a big factor in general. But when you break it down on um, individual things, I mean, you do tend to get, uh, get a, a bit of... Um, variation. I mean, for example, on the being prime ministerial, Boris Johnson um, did win that uh, particular uh, variable by quite a margin. Obvious caveat: he is the prime minister, so he so he does have the advantage um, of incumbency. Jeremy Corbyn, on the other hand, won by a similar margin, or perhaps even bigger margin, or in, in terms of being in touch with ordinary people, um, which is something that Labour has tried to, to push quite hard on caveat for that it hasn't always been a particularly strong determinant in the past um in general these are are, are two leaders who um certainly have their their fair share of um detractors and i think the the fact that the the, the average rating of the two of them is is uh, pretty low compared to previous matchups kind of bears that out uh, but what specifically determines the um how people are going to vote is, uh, is less clear. Yeah, we always talk about that uh, sort of likability factor, wanting to go down to the pub with someone, and you cited that in touch with ordinary people. We've got Johnson on 25, Corbyn on 59%. Do people yeah. really care about that, or do they want someone who can run the country? I feel like they're two fundamentally different things. Sometimes they might cross over, but one of them's got to take precedent. Yes, I mean, I think um, the, the, um, the, the question that has historically being the strongest predictor in this is, is one that Ipsos Mori have had, which is um, satisfaction with how the Prime Minister is doing his or her job, and a relative to the same question about the, the leader of the opposition. Um, so in terms of that, I mean, in terms of, I, I guess the 
the the, the factor there is competence. Um, and at the moment, uh, Boris Johnson has got the kind of lead over Jeremy Corbyn that you'd expect based on where the headline polling numbers are um, at the moment. So that that does that trend seems to be um, continuing. I mean, the the being in touch and being likable things are the sorts of things that both sides are going to. Um, try to play on and at the margin it may make a difference but I'm, I'm not sure it's, it's central to, to the outcome of the election. Bloomberg Westminster listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London The countdown has begun This May a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.